What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here, back with another Week 11 college football preview, and we are headed back to the SEC, a huge SEC West battle going down in Jordan-Hare Stadium this Saturday afternoon, 11 a.m. kickoff, five-and-a-half-point favorite Tigers host the Mississippi State Bulldogs, man, Auburn-Mississippi State in a huge game and looking for in, in between two teams looking to secure their place in at least the top half of a brutal SEC West division. And this game is really probably going to serve, I would say, as a contender versus pretender matchup in this division as both of these teams find themselves right in the thick of things in the SEC West. Now, now, let's set the table here before we get into breaking down the game. The Tigers enter this matchup 6-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in the SEC, and they're looking to rebound from a tough loss to Texas A&M on the road last weekend, and they're going to need this win to keep any pipe dreams alive of having a chance to sneak into the SEC championship. They're going to need A&M to lose a game. And they're going to need to hold the tiebreaker over Alabama at the end of the season. So they need a lot of things to happen, but the dream for Brian Harsa's squad is still alive. And there's no better way to bounce back than in front of a home crowd in Jordan Hare Stadium, which is one of the best environments in the SEC. Now, for the Bulldogs and Mike Leach, man, they enter this one at five and four, three and three in the SEC and are also looking to bounce back from a division loss against Arkansas in an extremely close game last weekend. But Mike Leach and his air raid attack, man, and their surprisingly stout defense can make a huge statement this weekend with their third top, you know, their third top 20 win of the season, man. They have a chance to pull off another big win, and Mike Leach's team has been playing excellent football down the stretch. Now, this series has a long history dating back to 1905, and the Tigers currently hold the 65-27 uh, lead in this overall series with two ties in that as well. And they currently hold the two-game win streak over the Bulldogs with the Bulldogs' last win coming in 2018 in a 23-9 domination over Auburn. So that is the table, man. We got everything set. What are the keys for these teams, though? Now, for the Tigers, I'm going to say it still lies with being balanced with their offense. We saw how out of sorts this offense got when when it became one-dimensional, when, when both the rushing and the passing attack are not working in sync. When the rushing attack with Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter is rolling, it really opens up things for Bo Nix and these wide receivers in the passing game. You know, they're still fairly balanced all season, 240 through the air, almost almost 190 rushing per game. And it shows how important balance is for my Bobo's offense and how and how it really brings out the best of his players in this system when things are working in, in sync with each other. Now, for me, though, you've got to preview the rushing attack first, man. That's been the identity of this program. And the Tigers have one of the best running back rooms in the country, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. And Jarquez Hunter has been extremely impressive as a freshman. And, of course, Tank Bigsby coming in was deemed the top five running back by just about every major publication source. Now, Bigsby's rushed for over 730 yards this year, over five yards per carry, seven touchdowns. He's top five in rushing yards. 
top six in rushing touchdowns, while Hunter on the other side has rushed for over 540 yards, still averaging over seven and a half yards per carry, three touchdowns, and has a receiving one. He ranks top 10 in rushing yards and still leads the SEC in yards per carry. So it's a mean one-two punch for Auburn. And they saw the success Arkansas had on the ground last week against Mississippi State. They're going to have to replicate that and keep this air raid attack on the sideline as long as possible for Mississippi State and not let Mississippi State take advantage of a worn-down defense late in the game. Now, they lean on the outside off tackle and right up the middle in terms of their run game. Nick Brom and uh, Nick Brom's an all SEC center really helps this rushing attack. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do it against a solid Mississippi state defense. Now, off tackle, they're they're averaging over six yards per carry. Ten of their rushing touchdowns have come from off tackle runs, 48 first downs, and over 25 explosive runs. While right up the middle, they're averaging over six and a half yards per carry, 11 explosive runs, over 400 total yards. So Mississippi State is going to have to set the edge, but also the interior of this defense is going to have to be ready for Bigsby and Hunter because if you they can make if they make the first guy miss. It could be a long day for Mississippi State because Bigsby and Hunter are not going to go down at first contact. You have to get them down because if they start making people miss, things could get real tough on this defense. Now, the Tigers have to dominate. Like I said, limiting the possessions for Mississippi State this weekend is going to be key. Mississippi State is going to wear down your defense if you cannot control the football, cannot control the pace of the game. So the rushing attack is going to be extremely important this weekend for Auburn. Now, up until last week in a, in a pretty bad performance, the narrative had really shifted on Bo Nix. He's been, he was been, he, before last week, he was a completely different quarterback that we saw before he was benched against Georgia State. LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, those games, he was electric. And this weekend, he's going to have to have a bounce back performance. His last week, everything just didn't seem to click right for this Auburn offense. Nix is still thrown for almost 2,000 yards. Nine passing touchdowns, three picks, and four rushing touchdowns. He's still top six in passing yards and still tied for second and fewest interceptions this season. The one part of Bo Nix's game that I've really been impressed with this year has been his mid-range passing attack, though. That's been what's really evolved in this Mike Bobo offense is his ability to push the ball down the field a little bit and attack the middle of the defense. Now, on these intermediate routes, 10 to 19 yards down the field, over 500 yards passing, a touchdown, over 30 first downs generated, and a, almost a 93 pro football focus passing grade. That is where Nick thrives, and when his offensive line gives him time, he's re- he's really able to make the proper decision and get the ball to his wide receivers and one-on-one cover. And they just find, and if you're playing zone, they just find the soft spot, soft spot in the zone in that intermediate range, and they're going to make you pay. Now, the wide receivers have improved weekly, but last week was a tough week for this Auburn wide receiving core. The tight ends and the wide receivers for Auburn have to play big time football this weekend. Kobe Hudson, Demetrius Robertson, these guys have to be big. They're the two leading wide receivers, both over 300 yards receiving, both uh, combined four touchdowns for them. But also, John uh, Samuel Shanker, Luke Deal, Tyler Fromm, they have to play big as well. Shanker, over 300 yards receiving for a tight end. The days of Auburn not using the the tight end are long gone and so these guys are going to be keys for Auburn you have to be balanced you have to you have to play your type of game control the pace of the game if you're Auburn limit Mississippi State's possessions and that's going to be the key for the Tigers this weekend now 
on the other side for the Bulldogs. It should be obvious what the key is. If you've watched any Mike Leach game for his entire career, you know it all starts with the passing game for the Bulldogs. And Will Rogers and this group of talented wide receivers that are going to be looking to make plays against an Auburn defense allowing almost 230 through the air per game and also have been picked apart by the likes of Sean Clifford this season. You know, at times that Calzada had made some big throws last weekend. They're going to have to play big time football. Stetson Bennett had a big game. The Auburn secondary is going to be tested this weekend. We're going to get a lot of answers on what Derek Mason is bringing with his defense. Now, this passing attack has been elite for the Bulldogs. Over 370 yards per game through the air this season. That is fifth in the entire country. And this offense all starts and ends with the quarterback for the Bulldogs, and that is Will Rogers. Man, I was really high on this kid coming out of last year. I thought he could be a breakout player, and he is doing everything in his power to do that. Over 75% of his passes completed in an air rate attack where they throw the ball more than anyone. He is being so efficient, and he's thrown for over 3,300 yards, 23 passing touchdowns, touchdowns and only eight turnovers. He leads the SEC in passing yards. He leads it in completion percentage. He's second in passing touchdowns and he's fifth in the QBR. This guy has done it all for Mississippi State and he's really been the key for this Mike Leach team taking a step up in their play this season. So you have to give Will Rogers his credit for playing lights out this season for, for Mike Leach. Now, For me, the most impressive aspect of Rodgers' game is his ability to attack the defense is using his short to intermediate passing game, which accounts for over 60% of his total throws. That means there's passes 0 to 19 yards down the field, completes over 70% of them, almost 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, five picks, and and over 120 first downs generated. The Auburn defense is going to have to play discipline. They're going to have to be comfortable in coverage, and they they have to force Rodgers into some mistakes. If you allow him to sit back in the pocket and pick you apart, dink it and dunk it and push him the ball down the field, you're going to have a major problem on your hand this weekend because this offense can get into a serious rhythm, and you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, as much credit as I give Rodgers, this wide receiving core is deep. And even though the even though the running backs don't run the ball a lot, the running backs are all so involved in the passing game, and they're going to be some people to watch. But for the wide receivers, Makai Polk, over 70 catches, 700 and 720 yards and six touchdowns, top five in receiving yards, first in catches, and top four in receiving touchdowns. Jaden Wally. Top 10 in catches, top five in receiving touchdowns with five. Also, Austin Williams, Malik Heath, these are all guys you're going to have to know. Is Heath is still top 10 in receiving touchdowns, and Williams is top 10 in catches. So they they are four, five, six deep at the wide receiver spot. And then the running backs with Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson. Jaquavius Marks has 64 catches as a running back, guys. Three touchdowns. He's second in the SEC in catches and top 10 in receiving touchdowns right now for Marks. He's going to be a problem out of the backfield, which means the Kobe McLean, Owen Papo, and these, these linebackers are going to have to play big time football. And these safeties with Smoke Monday and Donovan Coffin are going to have to be able to keep up with these running backs, man, because they are going to be a problem and going to be a key piece of this passing attack. Now, Dylan Johnson, fifth in the SEC in catches with over 47 catches for almost 300 yards. The way the passing attack can attack you with so many different weapons at different levels of the field and and really and truly 
how this pass, how Will Rogers does not get shaken often, that is going to be the key for Mike Leach's team is just to do what you do. Take this air raid attack on the road, throw the football, make smart decisions, don't turn it over, and Mississippi State's going to have a great chance of winning this game. Now, the final thing, man, the matchup to watch, and for me, it has to be this Mississippi State O-line against this Auburn D-line because the number one thing for Mississippi State is to protect Will Rogers, allow him to be the playmaker and the distributor of the football that makes this offense click at the highest level, while Auburn has to keep Rogers uncomfortable and force him into, into mistakes as much as possible. Now, the Bulldogs' offensive line has allowed the third most sacks in the SEC this season with over 25 sacks allowed, 80 QB pressures over their first nine games. But the O-line is anchored by Charles Cross and Cole Smith at the tackle and guard spot. They've been, they've by far been the highest-graded O-lineman for the Bulldogs. Cross is on a lot of people's draft boards. But for Smith and Cross, they've only allowed a combined two sacks, one QB hit, and 13 total pressures over nine games. They are the anchor, and if they can bring the overall play of this O-line up this weekend, Mississippi State is going to have a great chance to pull off this upset. Now, Will Rogers is a different QB under pressure, and that's why this matchup was my pick. When when you look at playing on the road in front of a hostile crowd like Jordan Hare, you're going to have to bring your A game, and when he's under pressure – Rogers' completion percentage drops to under 51%, only less than 300 yards passing, five yards per attempt, two touchdowns, three picks, and a 41.4 passing grade by Pro Football Focus when he's under pressure. If you can keep Rogers' jersey clean, Mississippi State can win this game. But if he is being sacked, under pressure, being forced into mistakes, the Bulldogs could be in a lot of trouble this weekend. Now, the Auburn defensive line has had their moments this season. But this weekend, this group is going to have to have a giant game, and they're going to have to get after Rodgers. They're top 10 in the SEC in sacks, over 101 QB hurries this season. And it all starts for me with Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. They are going to have to play big-time football. Wooden and Hall lead the team with five sacks apiece, a combined 13 QB hits, and almost 40 combined pressures from these two guys. Wooden can play all across the defensive line, and he has won multiple SEC Defensive Player of the Week awards. And Derek Hall is a bona fide pass rusher that Mississippi State is going to have to handle this weekend. And also don't forget about T.D. Moultrie, Iku Leota, Marcus Harris at the D-tackle spot. All these guys are going to have to play giant games. Leota with five sacks, Moultrie with four, Harris with two from the nose guard spot and they all have multiple QB hurries. These guys are going to be the X-Factors, along with Owen Papo and Jacoby McClain playing in the backfield and handling the running backs out of the backfield as well. Now, you know, on this podcast, man, you all see the jerseys in the background completely unbiased here. I picked against Auburn more than I've picked them on this podcast, but I just, for me, I have a tough time believing Mississippi State can come into Jordan-Hare and be so one-dimensional without a running game to beat this Auburn team with the way the with the way the running defense is playing. So for me, I've, I think Bo Nix is a different quarterback at home. I think that was a wake-up call last week for both of these teams. I think it's going to be back and forth. One team leads, the other team leads, and it's just going to go back and forth all the way to the end of the game. I just trust right now Auburn to make one stop or this run game to make one play to win the game, similar to what Arkansas did last week. And so for me, 
I think the Tigers squeak by with a 34-30 win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So a four-point win for the Tigers. To the ACC in a giant matchup going down at Winston-Salem between two teams competing for the ACC Atlantic crown. And a win this weekend will give either one of these two teams a huge step up in terms of getting to Charlotte for the ACC championship game next month as we have the number 16 NC State Wolfpack traveling to Winston-Salem to take on the number 12 Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And right now as I'm recording, the Demon Deacons are a two-point favorite over the Wolfpack in a game that kicks off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time live on the ACC Network, a huge game going down this weekend. But let's set the table here before we get into breaking down the game. The Demon Deacons come into this one 8-1, and 5-0 and in the conference, but they're looking to rebound from their first loss of the season last weekend in Chapel Hill in a game against North Carolina that technically was an ACC game, but it didn't count toward the conference records. But this offense has been electric. Dave Clawson's squad is going to be looking to make a statement with a top 20 win back in, back in front of their home crowd this weekend. So everything is on the line for Wake Forest. And a win this, a win this weekend will give them a two-game lead over both Clemson and NC State going into the last few weeks of the season. So the Demon Deacons need a big win here over the Wolfpack. Well, on the other side, the Wolfpack NC State comes into this one 7-2, and 4-1 and one in the ACC, and they're looking to extend their win streak to three games this weekend. But Dave Doran's squad and this team need this win to take the lead in the Atlantic Division and make their case for a New Year's Six Bowl with a top 15 upset on the road. So expect the Wolfpack and Devin Leary to come prepared to put up a lot of points against this Wake Forest defense. Now, this series has an extremely long history dating all the way back to 1895. The Wolfpack lead the series 67 to 41 with six ties in the in the history of this matchup. But they also won the last matchup last year. But the Demon Deacons have won three out of the last four matchups between these two teams. So a lot on the line this weekend. A storied a, a storied matchup in the ACC. So we have a lot to cover, man. But let's get to the keys of the game as we've just set the table for this one. Let's start with the Demon Deacons. It's as obvious as can be, man. That is to put the ball in Sam Hartman's hands, put the ball in the air with your talented group of wide receivers that are one of the most talented in the ACC, and that is go- and that is just let them go win the game for you. That is the key. Why take the ball out of your best player's hands? And so Sam Hartman in this passing game is going to be the key for Wake Forest this weekend. Now, H- Hartman's explosive play – and his passing ability opens things up later in the game for the running backs to really eat against lighter boxes. But the number one thing is to avoid turnovers and just allow the offense to continue its pace. They're one of, I believe they're the only offense in college football to score over 35 or more points in every single game this season. So Wake Forest is doing this at, at an elite level. And this passing attack has been one of the best in the country. Number one factor for the Demon Deacons finding themselves in a position to secure a New Year's Six Bowl. They have the number three scoring offense in the country. And Sam Hartman's emergence has been a huge reason for that. When you look at Hartman, over 2,800 passing yards, 
27 passing touchdowns, only five turnovers with eight rushing touchdowns. He's top eight in passing yards, top 10 in passing efficiency, top 10 in in yards per attempt, and top five in passing touchdowns in the entire country. Sam Hartman is putting together a spectacular year for the Demon Deacons, and he's going to be a huge X factor this weekend against a stout NC State defense that has really been holding offenses down all season long. Now, The biggest thing about Hartman this season has been his ability to put pressure on every level of the defense, make throws all across the field, and it makes the defense have to play near-perfect defense every every single play. And it's going to be the number one thing for NC State to look for, and that is the deep ball. Sam Hartman's deep ball is as good as he attacks all levels of the defense, like I mentioned last week in our preview. Wake Forest's deep ball has been electric. He Sam Sam Hartman has been so deadly accurate and efficient in pushing the ball down the field that that's really thrown a lot of these defenses off. When you look at his deep ball passing over 20 yards down the field, he's thrown for over 1,300 of his yards, averaging over 21 yards per attempt. 17 of his touchdowns have come from deep balls, only two turnovers. 20 big-time throws, and a 96.5 PFF passing grade. That has been the biggest difference for Wake Forest this year is Sam Hartman just uncorking things down the field, and they've really let him open up this offense. Now, the other part of this key is the wide receivers, and I think they should get more credit than a lot of the rest of the country has been giving them. They arguably have been the best wide receiving core in the ACC this year, and there are some legit playmakers on the outside of this on the outside of this offense. You look at Jaquari Robinson, fifty catches over eight hundred yards, seventeen yards per catch, and eight touchdowns, along with At Perry, over forty-two catches, eight hundred forty yards again, over twenty yards per catch, and ten touchdowns. Robertson and Perry were the biggest X factors in this offensive explosion last weekend, and they're going to have to play big time football against an NC State team playing elite defense over the past few weeks. So look for Robertson and Perry to have giant games at the wide receiving spot. Now, Taylor Morin and Keyshawn Williams are the other guys. Both have over 280 receiving yards and both have combined for seven receiving touchdowns. So they can do it in a they can multiple players can take over a game, but Robertson and Perry, along with Hartman airing the ball out, is going to be the key this weekend for the Demon Deacons in front of their home crowd. Now, for the Wolfpack, this could be multiple things as well. But after what you watched last week with Todd Chandler just setting records on the ground, I think NC State's going to have to lean into their rushing attack a bit more than they're used to, and they're going to have to try to take advantage of this rushing defense for the Deacons that is allowing over 216 yards on the ground, which ranks 13th in the ACC this season. But overall, the Wolfpack also can't be too reliant on the run because the real leader of this offense is Devin Leary. So my overall key is going to be balance for the Wolfpack. Uh, Target the weaknesses of this Demon Deacons defense and make them pay and control the ball and keep that explosive offense on the sideline. Now, the Wolfpack rushing attack is a two-headed monster, but they've disappeared in some games. The biggest thing this weekend is to try to at least try to hit 150 to 200 yards rushing. They're averaging about 135, but I, I imagine they're going to have to have a big game this weekend against this rushing defense of Wake Forest. Now, Zonovan Knight, 
Ricky Pearson Jr., they have been the keys in, in the running game. Knight with over 600 yards rushing, three touchdowns, and Pearson 487 and four rushing touchdowns. They're going to have to play big-time football. And the number one thing that's been missing is the right side of the offensive line has not been able to run block very well. But the left side behind two of their best offensive linemen and Dylan McMahon and Akeem Awanu, those two guys have been huge for the Wolfpack in terms of run blocking. And off the left side runs, almost a 1,000 yards rushing, six yards per carry, nine rushing touchdowns, over 40 first downs, and 30 explosive runs off the left side of the offensive line. That's going to be the key. If that left side of the offensive line dominates like they usually do, NC State has a great chance of establishing the running game. Now, the reason I say balance, though, is the passing attack has been a large factor of this offense. And the passing attack really helps set up the rushing attack because they're not a great just overall running the ball team. They don't have a they don't have an outstanding rushing attack. So Devin Leary's passing attack really helps them open up the run, averaging almost three touchdowns per game, almost 300 yards per game through the air. That's going to be something to look out for this weekend. Now, Leary. Over 2,400 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, three picks, and two rushing touchdowns. Top five in the ACC in yards per game, top three in completion percentage, top four in passing touchdowns, and top six in passing efficiency. That is that he is having an outstanding year to lead the Wolfpack in. Where he thrives is his intermediate passing. Makes up about 20% of his dropbacks, but these concepts are where Leary does the most damage. And that intermediate with his intermediate game, which is 10 to 19 yards down the field, over 500 yards passing, 12 of his touchdowns, four big-time throws, and has a 90.7 passing grade. He thrives attacking the middle of the field in that in, with these intermediate concepts. That's something Wake Forest is really going to have to step up with and really have to try to find a way to slow it down. Now, for the matchup to watch this, we've got both keys. Where's the matchup to watch going to come? For me, both of these offensive lines are great. They rank one and two in the ACC and sacks allowed. But for me, the NC State offensive line has more on the line than, than the Wake Forest offensive line. So I'm going with the NC State O-line versus the Wake Forest D-line because the Demon Deacons have to help out their secondary by getting pressure on Leary. And also the front seven has to try to make the Wolfpack one-dimensional because that's their best chance of winning this huge ACC game on Saturday night. Now, the O-line for NC State has played excellent. Like I said, a top two offensive line of the ACC, only 15 total sacks allowed this season. And it's really anchored by arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the country, Akeem, I believe it's Iwanku. He has been the highest graded O-lineman by a mile with a 93 overall blocking grade this season. Only eight total pressures allowed and one sack allowed in nine games for NC State. Akeem is going to have to have a big game, and I would imagine he is going to lock down that one side of the offensive line. Now, the other question mark was supposed to be Dylan Dylan McMahon and Derek Eason, but they've the young, these young guards have really stepped up this year and been a big surprise. They've been bright spots for the Wolfpack. One combined sack, 11 total pressures, and eight QB hits between these two guys. They are going to have to play big-time football against the talented defensive line for the Demon Deacons. Now, the front seven for the Demon Deacons ranked third in the ACC in sacks for the season with almost 30 sacks through their first 
for through their first nine games. This D-line is going to have to be a huge X factor. They have seven different players with two or more sacks this season. Luigi uh, Villanen is going to is going to be a huge factor as he has five sacks this season from the DN spot. And Rondell Bethroyd, five sacks, 15 QB hurries. Miles Fox and Jasheen Davis are going to be huge with seven combined sacks and over 20 QB hurries combined. They have multiple guys that can go get it done. The number one thing you can't do, though, is allow NC State to run the football down your throat like you did UNC, and you cannot allow Devin Leary to sit in the pocket and feel comfortable and pick you apart down the field. That is the number one way you are going to get beat this weekend. So for me, whoever wins this matchup is is going to go a long way in determining who can win this game in Winston-Salem on Saturday night. Now, for my prediction, I'm going to be honest, man. We we've covered some big games on this channel. We've covered some tough matchups. This is this one's been one of the hardest games for me to predict because I think what it's going to come down to is one: if the NC State defense keeps playing at the level they're playing, they're going to have a great chance to pull off the upset. But where is the mindset going to be for the Demon Deacons this weekend? in terms of coming off that tough comeback loss to UNC where they overcame a huge deficit down the stretch and and Todd Chandler had three rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter to lead them back. That's going to be the question. And really and truly Wake Forest hasn't been tested by a real defense all season long. And so can they find a way to score on this really, really tough NC State defense? So for me, I'm going to lean toward NC State gets one stop, forces one turnover to to pull off the upset on the road this weekend. I'm going with NC State by three, 34-31 over the Demon Deacons. I just think, personally, I think the, the mindset of Wake Forest is going to be just a little off this weekend. They're going to be in front of the home crowd. It's going to be back and forth all game. I just trust NC State's defense to make one stop where I can't trust Wake Forest's defense to make a stop to win the game right this second. So three-point win for the Wolfpack, 34-31 for NC State. Guys, one of the biggest Big Ten matchups of the weekend, man, but make sure to subscribe if you're new and like the video and go ahead and comment your score predictions below. But we got number 19 Purdue traveling to number four Ohio State in Columbus. The Buckeyes are a 20-point favorite in a matchup that kicks off at 2.30 p.m. Central Time live on ABC. But this is a big one. We have another giant, another top four team, top five team in college football facing the top five killers of college football in Purdue in a game that's going to give a lot of clarity to not only the college football playoff race for the Buckeyes, but also the Big Ten championship race in both divisions, which are both tightly contested as of right now. Let's set the stage before we get into this game, man. The Buckeyes coming in at 8-1, 6-0 in the Big Ten, coming off a big road win over Nebraska last weekend, finds themselves in the top four of the rankings for the first time this season, and now Ryan Day's team is looking to get another top 20 win on their resume to impress the committee, while C.J. Stroud has a big opportunity to have his Hosman moment to further solidify his Hosman, uh, Hosman resume with a huge top 20 game that a lot of the a lot of people in the country are going to be tuned into, especially he'll also get a lot of credit for doing it against one of the best defenses in the conference, and Shockingly, one of the most stout defenses in the Big Ten. So huge moment for Ohio State this weekend in a huge game, and I expect this team to come in focused and motivated to make a statement. Now, 
for the Boilermakers. They come into this one six and three, four and two in the Big Ten, and they're looking for their third top four win of the season as they travel to Columbus. And it's going to be on the back, of course, with this passing attack of Aiden O'Connell and wide receiver David Bell, which has really been making a name for himself this season and could potentially play himself into a high first-round draft pick in the NFL draft. Now, Jeff Brom is going to be looking to pull off another giant upset over the Buckeyes. This team is not going to be afraid of the moment, and I expect Purdue to come into Columbus fully expecting that they can pull off the upset this weekend. Now, the series stretches all the way back to 1919, but the Buckeyes lead the overall series 39-15 with two ties in the history of this matchup. But the Boilermakers did win their last matchup. It was that huge 2018 upset, 49-20 to in West Lafayette. And they're looking to make it two in a row over the Buckeyes, while the Buckeyes are looking to avenge that loss that ultimately cost them a shot at the national championship that year. Now that we set the table, man, we got to get into the keys of the game. And for the Buckeyes, it's always hard because they do so many different things well on the offensive side of the ball. But this Purdue defense is one of the best the Buckeyes have seen all season. They defend the run and the pass extremely well, which is why I would imagine Ryan Day and this offense are going to want to keep this attack extremely balanced. So for me, the key this weekend is balance on the offensive side of the ball. Try to keep the Boilermakers defense off balance. Use some unpredictable play call-ins. Go against your tendencies. And, and that will give the Buckeyes a real advantage here and, and really take away for what some of the things that Purdue does really well on the defensive side of the ball. We'll start with the rushing attack for the Buckeyes. It's been one of the more explosive in the country, averaging almost 190 yards per game on the ground, almost six yards per carry for the season. And they have a strong, strong running back room, especially when everyone is healthy and clicking at the same time. But it all starts with, in my opinion, I would say he's been one of the best freshmen this season, and that's Travion Henderson, man. Almost 1,000 yards rushing, over 7 yards per carry, and 12 rushing touchdowns. And and the rotational pieces for Ohio State, they've been a bit banged up, and, you know, there's some questions about their availability at times, but Master Teague has had his moments, should be available this weekend after some injuries kept him out of some games this year. And Mayan Williams has had his moments as well, including that week one explosive, explosive performance against Minnesota. So they have some guys they can rotate in with fresh bodies, but Travion Henderson with his size, his consistency, and his ability to be be one of those breakaway type speed players, he's going to be someone to watch. And we saw against Penn State, even if you slow him down early, he has the confidence in himself and the confidence of Ryan Day to continue to go back with him. 14 carries in the first half of that Penn State game. He only had about 20, 30 yards. The second half, 14 carries, and he had over 130 yards rushing and some big plays for the Buckeyes. So they're going to lean on Travion Henderson at the running back spot. But the rushing attack has been at its best when running outside or off tackle. That's where the Buckeyes running backs have really shone this season. Off the end, over 700 of their rushing yards came from there, over 7.5 yards per carry, 7 touchdowns, 34 first downs, and 22 explosive runs have come off the edge. These defensive ends for Purdue, which there are some studs mixed in that D-line, are going to have to set the edge and play really, really strong football. Kenneth Walker had a big day last week. You cannot allow Travion Henderson to be his explosive self because when this, for this offense, if the run game's clicking and C.J. Stroud can get going, if the, if you can't stop one or the other, they're going to put up a lot of points really, really fast, and Purdue's going to be in for a big shootout this weekend. Now, 
The other aspect of this offense, and one that I think deserves all the praise in the world, is C.J. Stroud. He's established himself as one, himself as one of the Heisman favorites right now. He's been playing some of the best football in the country over the past few weeks, and if he is on, this Buckeyes offense is one of the best in the country. Stroud has over 2,600 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, only five picks, of completing almost 70% of his passes. When you look at the NCAA stats, top 12 in the country in passing yards per game, top seven in passing touchdowns, top five in efficiency, and top 25 in completion percentage. This kid can do it all, and he's efficient doing it. The number one thing, though, is how well he pushes the ball down the field for me. Almost half of his throws are from that intermediate to deep passing range beyond 10 yards down the field, and he's graded above a 91 per football focus passing grade in both of those areas, which is it's very impressive for such a young guy to have that type of confidence and ability to push the ball down the field. When throwing in those intermediate to deep passing zones, he's thrown for over 1,400 of his yards, 18 touchdowns, 17 big-time throws, and 70 first downs generated. C.J. Stroud can move the ball down the field, and that's something Purdue's going to have to limit. Explosive plays are really key for this Buckeyes offense, and so if you can limit the explosive plays and make them drop down the field, you're going to have an easier time keeping the score manageable if you're Purdue. But if you allow C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson to create explosive plays all game long, the Boilermakers are going to be in trouble. So that's the keys for Ohio State. Now, on the flip side for the Boilermakers, It should be obvious what the key is. Their passing game has been elite and has been the focal point of this Boilermakers attack. It's been the number one aspect of this offense. It was the key when they knocked off number two, Iowa, number three, Michigan State. Aiden O'Connell and this wide receiving core has made enough plays to win those games, and they were the key, and they will be the key again this weekend, and and they will be the X factors. David Bell and Aiden O'Connell are the two names you need to know this weekend if the Boilermakers are going to pull off another top five upset this season. You know, you look at what this offense is doing. They're averaging over 330 passing yards per game. That's eighth best in the entire country, and it's up right up there with Ohio State in the top of the Big Ten. Now, there should be a little bit of opportunity, almost 250 allowed through the air for Ohio State this year. You know, it starts with Aiden O'Connell, man. 71% of his passes have been completed for over 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, eight picks, and a rushing touchdown. He leads the Big Ten in completion percentage, top six in yards when he didn't even start all the games this year, sixth in touchdowns, and fourth in the Big Ten in yards per game. This guy can do it all, and he's going to have to be He's going to have to be accurate, efficient, and avoid turnovers this weekend. The number one thing you cannot do for Ohio State is give their offense more possessions or or solid field position. You're going to have to play your one of your best games of the season if you're O'Connell because if you turn the ball over or you're inefficient and you don't control the clock or the pace of the game, you're going to be in trouble. They did not run the ball well last week and – and won the time of possession with like over 35 minutes of possession time against Michigan State, who ran the ball really well. They're going to have to repeat that because if you lose the time of possession battle, your defense is going to get worn down, and you cannot be inefficient on the offensive side of the ball and allow Ohio State to have a 1,000 possessions this game. You're going to have to move the ball, be consistent on third downs, and those have been the keys to pull off these top five upsets for Jeff Brom's team. Now, O'Connell really thrives on just being a distributor. 
getting the ball to his playmakers and letting them make plays in space. Over 50% of his passes come in the short game, zero to nine yards down the field, and that's going to be the key. Can you get, can you allow your playmakers to make plays in space against this really athletic back into this Ohio State defense? On these short passes, O'Connell's completing almost 85% of them, almost 900 yards, five touchdowns, only two turnovers, with an 86.1 passing grade by Pro Football Focus, and over 55 first downs have been generated from his short game. That is the key for O'Connell, and it's because the wide receiving core is so good, and that's where the X factor for me comes in this weekend. This Purdue wide receiving unit is one of the most underrated in the country, and they have multiple guys who can do it with four different guys having three or more touchdowns this season. But let's just be honest. This weekend, David Bell has to have another legendary game for the Boilermakers. He has established himself as arguably one of the favorites for the Bolitnikoff Award. He has been balling this year. 64 catches for over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns, and almost 16 yards per catch. Number one in the Big Ten in receiving yards per game. Number one in catches per game. And top five in receiving touchdowns. David Bell is the X Factor. He had big 200-plus yard games against both Iowa and Michigan State. He is going to have to have that type of performance against Ohio State, which is a much tougher task than the first two. So David Bell is the X Factor. You also have Payne Durham, Milton Wright, TJ Sheffield. All these guys have to have big games. I really like Milton Wright. I think he's the next guy up for the Boilermakers. 36 catches, almost 400 yards, and three touchdowns. But David Bell, Aiden O'Connell is the matchup. It is the connection to watch for the Boilermakers, and the passing game is going to be the key for the Boilermakers to pull off the upset. Now, for the matchup to watch, man, it's really, for me, has to be Ohio State's defensive line against this Purdue offensive line because protecting O'Connell is going to be of the utmost importance for the Boilermakers because you have to allow him to be that distributor and feel comfortable in the pocket. If you get him killed back there, the offense is really going to suffer because you're not going to have the run game to really carry this offense in this one. And if Ohio State can disrupt this offense with pressure, it's going to take a lot of pressure off the secondary and allow Ohio State to play their defensive game they like to play. And it also can force O'Connell into making some mistakes, which is really key for Ohio State's defense this week. Now, the reason I picked this one is it's, it's a strength versus really a weakness for this Purdue team. Because this Purdue offensive line ranks 10th in the Big Ten right now in sacks allowed with over 25 sacks allowed this season. And this weekend is going to be an extremely tough test for them. And the O-line is going to have to step up in a huge way. And no Purdue offensive lineman grades above a 67 in terms of passing and pass blocking grade this season. And it shows that they've really struggled to protect O'Connell at times. And this weekend, if they're looking to pull off a third top five upset, they are going to have to keep O'Connell's jersey clean on the road against a very talented front seven for the Buckeyes. The rushing attack has also suffered only 78 yards rushing per game and less than two and a half yards per carry. No running back over 400 yards. And only three players have rushed for over 100 yards. That means if you don't protect O'Connell, I don't trust you to be able to run the ball this weekend. And that's going to be a problem. Can you win this game by being one-dimensional? That's a big question. And this O-line, though, Greg Long at offensive tackle has been by far their best offensive lineman, has not allowed a sack this season, only nine total pressures allowed, and is the highest-graded offensive lineman for the Boilermakers. But when you look at the two guys that I'm looking at to be key key factors here that have to step up, it's Eric Miller on the other side of the tackle and Gus Hartwig at center. 
they're going to have to have big games. They've allowed over six sacks combined and over 30 pressures, total pressures allowed this season. You look at Haskell Garrett and some of these guys on the inside. Hartwig is going to have his hands full this weekend. And Miller, with 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 Ohio State probably being three, four deep at defensive end, is going to have to have a big game. They cannot allow pressure up the middle, and you cannot allow these defensive ends to get upfield without being touched. You are going to have to step up if you're Purdue's offensive line this weekend. And for me, that's a huge, huge thing to watch in this matchup. Now, the defensive line for the Buckeyes, man, what can I say? They've been one of the best in the country, first in the Big Ten in sacks this season with over 33 sacks this season, and it's really been a strength of this team. You look at Zach Harrison, four sacks, a 90.2 pass rush grade this season, 16 QB hurries. Talik Williams, five sacks, 11 QB hurries, and almost 90 pass rush grade. Jack Sawyer's there. Haskell Garrett on the inside from defensive tackle with four and a half sacks, six tackles for loss, and eight QB pressures. They could get pressure from the inside, the outside. The linebackers are great coming on the blitz. There's so many different ways that this Ohio State defense can be creative getting to the quarterback. That was the key to beating Penn State in Columbus just two weeks ago. That is going to be the key this weekend is to get to Aiden O'Connell, get him off his spot, make him feel real uncomfortable back there passing for the Boilermakers. Now, given all this, man, this, you know, is so hard because everyone's saying, man, Purdue is the top five killer. And for me, I just can't see Ohio State in Columbus overlooking the Boilermakers. And also, I think this Ohio State defense is too good for you to be one-dimensional. Purdue's going to have to try to run the ball, and I just don't trust on that. And I also think Ohio State is going to get after O'Connell. They're going to have to speed up that internal clock, make them feel uncomfortable in the pocket. And I just trust Travion Henderson and C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. They have too many weapons. I think Ohio State pulls away in the second half over Purdue for a big win this weekend. I have the Buckeyes 42, Purdue 24 this weekend, and a big win for Ryan Day and this Buckeyes program as they find themselves in the top four and they know they just have, they control their destiny. They just have to win out. A 42-24 win for the Buckeyes over the Boilermakers is my prediction this weekend. Just too much firepower on offense, and that defensive line is going to have a big game this weekend, I would imagine, for the Buckeyes. But, man, if you're headed down to SEC country, down in Oxford, Mississippi, in a primetime game kicking off at 6 p.m. Central Time, live on ESPN, as we have the number 11 Texas A&M Aggies headed to face the number 15 Ole Miss Rebels in Vault-Hemingway Stadium in a huge SEC West matchup this weekend. It was really going to serve as an elimination matchup in the SEC West. Both these teams have to win this game to even have like pipe dream shots of making the SEC championship. They're much more real for A&M right now because they hold the tiebreaker over Alabama, but both of these teams are still mathematically eligible to find a way to get to the Atlanta to face Georgia for the SEC championship next month. Now, let's set the stage before getting into the game. The Aggies come into this one 7-2, and 4-2 and two in the SEC, coming off a huge 20-3 win over number 13 Auburn and Kyle Field. And these Jimbo Fisher-led Aggies are looking to be the dark horse in college football this year, man. They're looking to make a run for that championship, do it on the back of strong defense and explosive rushing attack. And this weekend will be a huge test for both of those units for the Aggies against this explosive offense for Ole Miss and also pretty stout 
front seven at times. So we will definitely see how the Aggies look. But the Rebels, man, enter at seven and two, three and two in the SEC, coming off a huge win over Liberty to spoil Hugh Freeze's return to Oxford. Now, Lane Kiffin sets his sights on trying to take down Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And they're looking to do it on the back of an explosive offense, a Heisman hopeful, a hopeful in Matt Corral, looking to have his Heisman moment in prime time this weekend. Now, this series stretches back to 1911, long history, but did not become a yearly occurrence until A&M joined the SEC in 2012. Currently, the Aggies lead the series 9-3 to and are currently on a three-game win streak over the Rebels with their last win coming in 2016. Now, the table set, we have a giant SEC West matchup, strong defense versus one of the best offenses in the country. So let's get down to the keys of the game. For the Aggies this weekend, it lies on the ground, man. This deadly one-two punch between Isaiah Spiller and Devin Achain, I mean, this Aggies offense works off the rushing attacks. That Calzada benefits from what Spiller and Achain do on the ground, and their rush game has been one of the best week in and week out for the Aggies. And Calzada keeping the pressure off of him, allowing him to manage the game and make his handful of plays he needs to win the game have been key for Texas A&L. Now, a two-headed monster currently averaging almost 200 yards per game, over five and a half yards per carry for the season. And this was going to be the number one key for this Aggies offense because they're facing an Ole Miss defense, allowing almost 200 yards per game on the ground and over four yards per carry. So they should be able to take advantage of this rush defense for the Rebels. And it starts with Spiller. Over 870 yards rushing, over six yards per carry, and five touchdowns. Top three in the conference in rushing yards, top six in yards per carry, and top eight in rushing touchdowns in the SEC for Spiller. While a chain, 706 yards rushing, over seven and a half yards per carry, five touchdowns. He's second in the SEC in yards per carry top seven in rushing yards, and also top eight in rushing touchdowns. So they have two guys that can take over a game, and these guys were the focal point down the stretch against Auburn last week where they really pulled out a giant win to really establish themselves as the, as one of the top contenders in the SEC this year. Now, it's really been the offensive line also that has helped them. Running off the left side of their offensive line with Jameer Johnson at offensive tackle is going to be something to watch this weekend against the Rebels, man. They've rushed for almost 1,000 yards, over seven yards per carry, five touchdowns, generated 30 explosive runs when running off the right side of the football, man. I mean, running off the left side of their offensive line. they If they run to the left, they have just been more efficient. The offensive line has dominated that side of the football, and that's something Lane Kiffin and this Ole Miss team are going to have to look out for because it's going to be a factor down the stretch this weekend because if you're A&M, you're going to want to do everything possible to keep that Ole Miss offense on the sidelines as much as possible. Winning the time of possession battle with this rushing attack is going to be key for the for the Aggies while also finding a way to take the crowd out of it and what I'm sure is going to be an electric environment for this top 15 matchup in Oxford. I've been down there for a game, one of my favorite stadiums. It's going to be crazy down there. Now, the passing attack has been a factor, though. It was the focal point when they beat Alabama. But Zach Calzada has really been the heart and soul of this team. You look at their two biggest wins, his knee injury against Bama and his, and his shoulder injury against Auburn. 
they he found a way to not only overcome those injuries but come in and make some key plays to keep this team alive and is going to have to play big this weekend. You look at his big throw against Auburn in the third quarter where he hit a like a 50-yard bomb to set them up to take the lead in the third quarter with a field goal. That has been like Zach Calzada has played so I I, I would say He's been very brave as a quarterback. Man, to overcome the injuries, stand in the pocket, and take some real big shots. And, and he doesn't shy away from the big moment. Yes, he may not have been the starting quarterback, you know, coming out of fall camp, but he's really established himself as a leader of this team. Now, Calzada over fifteen hundred passing yards, twelve touchdowns, seven picks, one rushing touchdown. He's top ten in passing yards and top eight in the SEC and passing touchdowns. But when you look at the breakdown, he's really thrived on the deep ball. They haven't taken a lot of shots. When you look at last week when they did, he could hit on them. And that's something that Jimbo Fisher against a secondary that is prone to giving up some big plays. Will he let Calzada uncork some things deep? On deep passing attempts, he has five touchdowns, one pick, nine big-time throws, and almost a 92 PFF passing grade. That shows how efficient he is when he gets to take his limited shots. And the reason also could be because they set it up so perfectly with the run game. They do a great job of running the ball, running the ball. When they notice that you're not paying attention to the deep pass, Calzada is accurate enough and explosive enough to hit you over the top. Now, the wide receiving unit is strong, but like I said last week, man, Anaya Smith and Jalen Watermar are going to be big factors. Anaya Smith, six touchdowns, almost 400 yards receiving with over 35 catches. Watermar was a big part of their offense early, establishing the short pass game for the Aggies against Auburn. 30 catches over 400 yards and four touchdowns with a big tight end. He's a matchup nightmare, and it's going to be key to see how Ole Miss contains Watermar at that tight end spot because they can utilize him in so many different ways. And he's a big play waiting to happen just because of his size and athleticism. So that's really the keys for the Aggies for me. Now, for the Rebels, it lies in their top player on the offensive side of the ball, and that is Matt Corral. He's currently one of the Heisman Trophy favorites, according to most sources in the country right now. And this offense really starts and ends with what Corral can do with not only his legs, but also his arm. And having an elite game against one of the best defenses he's seen this year is going to be key. He currently leads the Rebels in both passing and rushing. And for a for an offense averaging over 500 yards per game, just about, and ranks top 20 in scoring with almost 38 points per game, the Ole Miss offense is one of the best in the country. And it's really due to what Corral can do and what he opens up for the running, get, running backs and the wide receivers stepping up. Now, when you look at what Corral's done, man, He's completed over 66% of his passes, 2,500 yards, 16 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing, only two turnovers, and over 500 yards rushing. Corral does it all. Top three in the SEC in passing yards, top five in completion percentage, sixth in passing touchdowns, second in yards per attempt, fourth in QBR. He's in the top half of the FCC for every major statistical category for quarterbacks, and his his specialty is when things break down in the pocket, he can be deadly and it makes it hard for him to slow down when he faces any defense. 
almost 300 yards rushing on just pure scrambles when things break down, over seven yards per scramble, and 12 first downs on broken plays, five explosive runs, and over 100 yards after contact. So even if you can get pressure, you have to find a way to bring Corral down. He can be electric if you can't get to him, but even if you get to him, you have to stay disciplined in your pass rush lanes or things to get out of hand quickly for your defense, and Corral can make you pay in multiple ways. So A&M has a very big test this weekend to try to contain Corral, not only with his legs, but his arms as well. You have to try to make him not as dynamic as a playmaker because he can make plays in so many variety of ways. Now, the underrated part of this offense has been the rushing attack outside of Corral. This rushing attack is averaging over 260 yards per game on the ground, almost three touchdowns per game on the ground, and that's one of the best marks in the entire country. Now, Henry Parrish, man, over 400 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Snoop Connor has had a big year, and also Jerry and Ely as well. All three of these guys are one of the t- are, are some of the top running backs in the SEC right now, and they have a great rotation where they can keep fresh bodies in. And depending on what you're game planning for, each one of these guys can do something unique for the offense, and especially even in the passing game where uh, most of these guys are some of the top pass catchers in for the for this offense. It can really be dynamic out of the backfield. It really opens up the playbook for Lane Kiffin and this offensive staff because you can have any sort of running back duo in the game and you can trust them to go be a pass catcher and really allow you to open up your playbook regardless of what personnel you have in the game. Now, the rushing attack is extremely hard to stop due to how they are able to attack all levels of the field too. They can run it up the middle, run it through the B gaps, run it off tackle, get outside into space. These guys are so versatile. Snoop Connor, Parrish, Ely, all these guys can go make plays in all kind of different concepts, and that's what makes this rushing attack so hard to stop. I would imagine the Rebels this weekend are going to try to keep the defense off balance with the run game. Matt Corral is going to be a great, you can almost call him a point guard quarterback, where he is going to distribute the ball to his playmakers on the outside, let them go make plays in space. But the number one thing is no mistakes, man. This Texas A&M team is really great at forcing turnovers, getting to the quarterback, and forcing you into uncomfortable situations. They did it with Bo Nix last week. They've done it week in and week out. And so the number one thing is to try to keep stay balanced and try to keep Corral comfortable in the pocket and do not make mistakes and give A&M extra possessions and let them get this game out of hand. Now, the final thing, man, the matchup to watch for me, for me, it's going to be the wide receiving core of the Rebels against the secondary for Texas A&M. This is going to be a major battle of strengths because the passing game is a key for the Rebels. And also, the Aggies have done an excellent job in shutting down the pass, and that's some, that means something has to give. Can these wide receivers go make plays against these big physical DBs for A&M, or can A&M shut down this explosive, Hosman-worthy passing attack of the Rebels? Now, When you look at Ole Miss, they're averaging over 285 through the air per game. That's top three in the SEC right now. And as much credit as Matt Corral deserves, the wide receiving core has been huge for this team. And especially given that they've been banged up, they've had some really They've had some unexpected contributors step up due to that. Jonathan Mingo still out, potentially out for the season, is the big loss. But they did get a lot of help last week when Braylon Sanders came back, averaging over 24 yards per catch and three touchdowns. He is a deep threat that A&M is going to have to try to find a way to handle, and he is a problem. 
how Dontario Drummond, over 600 yards receiving, 40 catches, six touchdowns will be a big part. And also, Jacor Pearson was a big part of this offense against Auburn, 16 catches, over 200 yards receiving. He's He was a walk-on that's really stepped up due to some of these injuries that Ole Miss has had at the wide receiving spot. But as they slowly get healthy, this wide receiving core is one of the deepest and most productive wide receiving cores in the SEC, and they're going to be a big factor in this matchup this weekend. They have to create separation. They have to be explosive, make plays, and don't and don't fall don't fall into unforced errors like drops, fumbles, anything like that. You have to play a solid game against the secondary of AM. That's because the secondary has been one of the best in the countries only allowing 194 yards per game through the air, less than 58% completion percentage, and only one passing touchdown per game allowed thus far this season. Top 25 in the entire country. And it all starts with some big names, man. Jalen Jones, he's allowed less than 300 yards passing against him, only two touchdowns and a combined six pass breakups or INTs or plays on the ball. Leon O'Neal, only 35% completion percentage allowed, less than 50 total yards allowed, and has a combined six pass breakups and INTs again. Then you got Damani Richardson, potential first-round draft pick for the Aggies. Zero touchdowns allowed this season, two pass breakups and picks combined for him. And then you also got Tyreek Chappell, who has six pass breakups and INTs combined again. These four guys have been the core, the nucleus of the secondary, and they're all long, they're all physical, and they're all not afraid to put your hand, put their hands on you and go make plays. Matt Corral is going to have is going to face a very, very tough test this weekend against the secondary. But for Jalen Jones, O'Neal, Richardson, and Chapel, they're going to have to play big. They're going to have to play big this weekend. They're going to have to play disciplined, and they're going to have to force some turnovers. If you can force a few turnovers for Corral, get them, get the offense off their rhythm, get a, get a nice lead where you can play comfortably with your defense, that's going to be key. These guys are not going to shy away from the moment. They stepped up big against Alabama last week. They completely shut down Auburn's offense. This Texas A&M defense is ready for the challenge, and I would imagine the secondary against this wide receiving core is a matchup you're going to have to watch all game long. Now, I went way, way back and forth with this game, guys. I'm not going to lie. This one was a very tough one to predict because being in Oxford, I know the home field advantage that Ole Miss is going to have. Like I said, I've been to that stadium. It's electric and one of my favorite environments in college football on a Saturday night. But then on the flip side, Jimbo Fisher and A&M have been playing on a different level over these past few weeks, and that defense is really starting to click. So for me, looking at this game – Looking at how these teams have been playing over the past few weeks, I just trust AM to make enough stops down the stretch. And I'm done doubting Zach Calzada. I got a lot, I got a lot of flat from AM fans. Listen, I'm giving him his flowers, putting faith in Calzada to make the plays. The running game for Spiller in a chain is going to be too much for Ole Miss. They really struggled stopping Tate Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter just two weeks ago. So I really think it's going to be a heavy dose of run game a handful of throws by Calzada to make the plays, and then it's just going to be relying on that defense to make one or two stops or force Ole Miss into a handful of mistakes. I have AM and Jimbo Fisher escaping Oxford with a very, very close win, 31-28 over the Rebels of Ole Miss. So a three-point win for the Rebels, I mean, for the Aggies, and I think it's going to be a highly, highly competitive game, and I just think the I just think the Aggies' defense is going to be the difference along with their run game. So, thirty-one 
28, Texas A&M over Ole Miss this weekend. Guys, as y'all know here on the Blue Bloods, we start with our game of the week. So that means if you're new, hit that subscribe button, like the video, and go ahead and comment your score predictions below. If you get the exact score and the winner predicted right, you win our $50 Venmo giveaway. So make sure to do that now. Even if you're an old subscriber, new subscriber, man, appreciate y'all tuning in. But we have a giant extremely important Big 12 matchup this weekend going down in Waco, Texas, as we have Oklahoma traveling down to McLean Stadium to take on the Baylor Bears, and the Sooners are five-and-a-half-point favorites as I'm recording on Monday night, man, in a game that kicks off at 11 a.m. Central Time live on Fox. And this one has major college football playoff implications, Big 12 championship implications across the board for both of these teams in this matchup. And last weekend's loss for the Bears really added some extra importance this weekend for for Baylor. And also the Sooners coming off the bye week have a lot to prove. So let's set the table before we get into the game. The Sooners come into this one 9-0, 6-0 in the Big 12, have a whole lot to show the committee after they were dropped all the way to number eight in the initial college football playoff polls. The new rankings dropped tonight. You know, as you're probably watching this as we drop this episode on Tuesday, I would imagine they're going to move up to probably seven or six, but we're going to see. But they're still going to have a lot to prove in terms of proving they deserve one of those final four spots. And really and truly, it's because this team has looked completely different since their quarterback change to Caleb Williams. And this is going to be a huge road test for him and this Lincoln Riley squad to show that they are going to be one of the top teams in college football moving forward. This is a giant ranked win on the road for their resume, and the Sooners have to come out come out this game and win impressively. Now, for Baylor, this matchup was arguably going to be a top-10 matchup, but the Bears enter 7-2, and 4-2 and two in the Big 12, and they're looking to rebound from their two-point loss to TCU last weekend bring in a tough defense led by Dave Aranda, a strong rushing attack into McLean Stadium and hope to use the environment and both of those things to make a statement and keep their Big 12 title hopes alive because a loss here virtually almost eliminates them from contention of the Big 12 championship as of right now, how it looks. Now, his series was first played in 1901 but did not become a yearly game until 1996, and the Sooners lead this series 28-3. They have dominated, and they're on a current seven-game win streak over the Bears. The last wins for the Bears came in 2013-14 and with two big blowout wins over the Sooners in both Waco and Norman. Now, the stage is set for this giant matchup, man. This is good. Like I said, it's our game of the week. We only pick the biggest and best for that. So let's let's get down to the keys, you know, for this game for each of these teams. Now for the Sooners, you can point to one of few things, but for me, is going to be Caleb Williams. If if the Sooners allow him to play his game, let him get loose this weekend, he is going to be the key for the Sooners and has been over the past few weeks as they've really stepped up their offensive consistency and explosiveness. You know, Williams' explosiveness for me has been the real difference in a Spencer Rattler-led Sooners rather than what we're seeing with Caleb Williams. So for me, even though he's young, they have talented running backs and everything like that, Caleb Williams is going to have to 
to have a giant game this weekend, and Lincoln Riley is going to have to trust him to allow him to be the playmaker that we know he can be at that quarterback spot. When you break down what Williams has done so far, he's been one of the highest-graded quarterbacks in the country since he's taken over the job for the Sooners, and the offense is averaging over 470 per game, over 42 points per game, which is top five in the country right now. So he's leading one of the most high-octane offenses in the country, and it's mostly due to his explosive play through the air and with his legs. When you look at what he's done in only a short amount of time, over 70% of his passes being complete as, completed as a true freshman, almost 1,200 passing yards, over 10 yards per attempt, 14 passing touchdowns, only one turnover, 300 rushing yards, and four rushing touchdowns. This kid is putting on a show. Top three in passing touchdowns, and he hasn't even started a full season third in completion percentage, and leads the Big 12 in passing efficiency and is the only quarterback with a 200-plus passer efficiency rating as he's sitting at 203.7. Now, now I mentioned the explosiveness, but one of the big differences between Williams and Rattler in this offense has been the ability for Williams to create his own plays. Over 50% of Rattler's dropbacks were off a play-action concept, while Williams only relies on the play-action under 40% of the time. And he actually excels when you put more wide receivers out there and he doesn't need the play action. He did, he's just a playmaker that can go make something happen while Rattler was really needing a lot of help from the run game to get the offense going. And I feel like it really limited what Lincoln Riley was able to do on the offensive side of the ball. Now, with no play action, you look at Williams completing almost 80% of his passes, over 800 yards, 12 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, a 95.5 PFF passing grade, and over 33 first downs generated. That's what he can do when you just give him the ball and say, go make a play through the air. Now, on top of that, the other thing that's been a big difference has been the downfield passing attack and the ability for the Sooners to attack the back end of the defense. When you look at Rattler, Only 8% of his attempts were deep balls 20-plus yards down the field, and only 25% traveled 10 or more yards. With Williams, over 52% of his pass attempts have been on passes 10 or more yards down the field, and his ability to stretch the field deep has really been a missing component of this Lincoln-Riley offense that now that it's clicked, this offense is putting up major points, and really outside of that Kansas game, they have been damn near unstoppable in terms of being explosive. So that's really been the key, and that's why he's my key this weekend, is if if the Sooners team with Williams can be explosive through the air and turn this into a shootout, it really plays into Oklahoma's hand and really gives them a great chance to win this game. Now, The wide receiving core is the other half of this key because they're going to have to be explosive. They're going to have to go make plays for their young quarterback, and they're going to have to find some separation against a very, very talented secondary, only allowing about 230 through the air per game this season against one of the best defensive minds in college football in Dave Aranda with a true freshman quarterback. So the wide receiving core is going to have to step up in a big way, and they spread the ball around a lot. There are a lot of people who have significant touches through the air at the wide receiving core. So for me, these experienced guys, these guys that have a lot of talent are going to have to show up. You look at someone like a Jadon Hazelwood, 33 catches over 300 yards, six touchdowns for Hazelwood this season. 
Mario Williams is going to have to have a big game, over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And also Marvin Mims, over 600 yards receiving, 23 yards per catch and four receiving touchdowns. I mentioned him this preseason as one of my favorite players in the country. Top six in the receiving yards, seventh in receiving touchdowns, and number one in the Big 12 in yards per catch right now for Marvin Mims. He is dynamite. I mean, dynamite in a bottle, and he is ready to explode any time. And if Baylor's defense is not ready to, to, I guess, contain Marvin Mims, it's going to be a long day. And also you have Jeremiah Hall with four touchdowns. They can spread the ball around, so Baylor has to be real creative in how they're going to contain this very, very deep receiving core along with what Kayla Williams could do deep down the field. Now, for Baylor, it should be obvious. It all starts with the rushing attack, which is one of the best in the country, and you can wear down this Oklahoma defense and keep that explosive offense off the field. For Baylor, you have to shorten the game. You have to grind it out, turn it into a low-scoring who can control the clock and who can and who can just play more physical football and that is how you're going to win the game. So Jerry Bohannon working off the play action and these and this duos of running backs that they have, they're going to have to have huge games this weekend. Now, for this Baylor rushing attack, averaging over 230 on the ground per game right now, that's top 10 in the country, while averaging over six yards per carry, which is one of the best marks in the country as well. And it's going to be the number one thing Oklahoma is going to have to try to stop because they are going to pound the ball down your throat. Ab- you know, Abraham Smith or Abram Smith, over a thousand yards rushing, seven yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. Treston Ebner, 600 yards, six yards per carry, a rushing touchdown. And also Bohannon with his legs, almost 200 yards rushing and seven rushing touchdowns. They have a dynamic attack where they are going to pound it at you. But the key is Abram Smith. If he has a big game, Oklahoma could be in big trouble if he's able to control the pace of the game and keep this Baylor offense on the field for 35, 36, 37 minutes of this game. Now, the rushing attack is so diverse in how and where they can attack you. I mean, over 100 yards in seven of the eight possible rushing lanes, and they're most explosive off the edge. So a Nick a Nick Benito, you know, Mario Williams, these guys have to play big games on the edge. You have to set the edge and have to win those battles on the outside of that offensive line because they are going to kill you off the edge if you don't have strong edge defenders. Over 800 yards rushing come off the edge. They average over eight yards per carry, 25 explosive runs generated, and the left tackle is where it's really key. Rushing off a left tackle, 550 yards rushing, 10 yards per carry, four touchdowns, over 300 yards after contact, and 18 explosive runs off the left end. Whoever is playing that left end spot, and you know, I know Alex Grinch is probably going to rotate who comes off which end, that is going to be key. You have to set the edge against this Baylor rushing attack, or Abram Smith and these guys are going to have dominant days, and that's something Oklahoma cannot have as their defense on the field all game long. Now, the Bears may be a rush first team. Passing attack has been solid, though, and they are one of the best in yards per attempt for a passing attack, and it shows how explosive it can be when this offense is firing on all cylinders. Bo Hannon, over 65% completion percentage, almost 2,000 yards passing, 15 passing touchdowns, and five picks. Now, Bo Hannon ranks third in the conference in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, and up until you know the past two weeks, only had one pick, but has really kind of struggled, especially last week against TCU in that loss. 
But for him, it has to come with the Bears' rushing attack. Oh, almost 50% of Bo Hannon's dropbacks have been off the play action. And it just shows how important it is because his pro football-focused passing grade jumps up to an 86 when working off the play action. So if Oklahoma can slow the run down, it's really going to affect what Jerry Bohanny can do through the air to this Oklahoma secondary that has been prone into giving up some, at least some yardage and some very efficient performances. You look at what Adrian Martinez did and some of these quarterbacks that they face. So for me, slowing down the play action attack is going to be key because he's thrown for over a thousand yards, over 10 and a half yards per completion, 12 passing touchdowns, six big time throws and over 49 first downs off the play action. And his deep ball is key too, where he grades almost a 92 in pro football focuses, passing grade in deep ball passing. The Bears balance is what's also key. It's thrown off a lot of their opponents because once you load the box and stop this rushing attack, they have the ability to go deep on you and get behind you. So that balance has really kept defenses guessing on how to stop this offense. So Oklahoma's been solid against the run, only 3.4 yards per carry allowed, but they've allowed near 275 yards through the air per game. So Baylor's going to have to find a way to establish their run and then get some things working off the play action deep down the field for Bohan and against the secondary. So that's the key for Baylor. We had the key for Oklahoma. The last thing, man, the matchup to watch, and this is for me really going to determine who wins this game. It's going to be the Baylor front seven against this Oklahoma offensive line and Kayla Williams' scrambling ability. Because Baylor has to limit explosive plays. That is the key for this defense. And Williams outside the pocket is dangerous. But for Baylor, getting to a true freshman quarterback, making him feel uncomfortable in the pocket, and and keeping the offense off rhythm and behind schedule is going to be key on the road in a big game like this. Now, the Sooners O-line's played well at times, but they've still given up the third most sacks in the conference with almost 20 sacks allowed this season. But with the mobility of Williams being added in, it's really helped the O-line protect the quarterback because he can make some plays outside the pocket when things break down and make some guys miss. Now, the tackle spot's really the strength for Oklahoma. Tyrese Robinson and Anton Harrison have been huge. Only 20 total pressures allowed for them this season. And as an, as an entire O-line, they've only allowed 47 QB hurries and 62 total pressures this season over their first nine games. That's not bad production, but this weekend they're going to have to be strong against a Baylor attack that ranks Almost, uh, I believe that they rank sixth in the Big 12 in sacks this season, so they have to be strong, you know, in terms of pass protection. Now, Williams, though, is going to be an interesting key because him off the edge running has been a problem for Sooners opponents. So the Bears edge rushers have to be disciplined in their rushing lanes, set the edge while the linebackers, who are one of the strengths of this defense, have to find a way to slow down Williams outside the pocket, spy him, be disciplined, and meet him in the hole, meet him off the edge, and not get caught up in all the mess inside because if that happens and Williams can bust one outside – it's going to be a big play, just like it always has been this season. Because off the edge, running off at either end outside the pocket, Williams Williams has rushed for over 300 yards, over 17 yards per carry. That's key. It's a big play every time. Four touchdowns, 
13 first downs generated and eight explosive runs off the edge this season by Williams. So that is going to be key, and that's why I picked this matchup because limiting his legs really helps your defense contain this explosive offense because if they're getting anything they like and he's turning broken plays into big games like that, it's going to be a long day for Baylor, and they're going to have a tough time pulling this upset. Now, and Baylor defensive front has been strong, only 129 yards allowed, rushing less than three and a half yards per carry allowed, and they've been a key for this top 20 scoring defense. Now, Siaki Ika at defensive tackle is going to have to be big from the LSU transfer. TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall off the edge have been some of the best edge rushers in the Big 12. They're going to have to have big games on the edge because if you slow the rushing attack and can get to the quarterback, that's going to be key. And I imagine Aranda's going to be very creative in his blitz packages and his rush and, and where he brings pressure that Caleb Williams is going to have to feel a little bit of pressure on the road this weekend. I'm, I'm assuming Dave Aranda's has some wrinkles in this defense to really throw Lincoln Riley and this young quarterback off their game. Now, the X factors for me, Terrell Bernard and Dylan Doyle at the linebacking spots. They are X factors because both of these guys, you know, Bernard's already been an All-American. Doyle is probably going to be one at the end of this year, and Bernard could have been if he wasn't hurt. But Doyle leads this team in tackles, and he's been a playmaker all season, can get pressure on the quarterback, and can live in the backfield when he comes downhill. Same for Bernard. They can Both of these guys, especially Bernard, can put sideline to sideline, and that's going to be a key slowing down Williams outside pocket and really taking his legs away from him. Because if you allow him to get loose with his legs, it's going to be a problem for, for, for this Baylor defense all day long because you cannot allow Williams to get extra yards outside the pocket. You've got to slow this offense down if you're going to have a chance to win this game for Baylor. So for me, that is why this is the matchup to watch. Bernard and Doyle have to have big games, and Williams has to help out his O-line and help out the running game and the passing game with his legs when things break down, especially on the road. So for me, looking at everything, man, I know a lot of people are picking this to be a huge upset alert, and I was leaning that way. But for me, watching film on this Oklahoma team since they made the quarterback change and coming off a of bye week while Baylor's morale has to be down after that close loss to TCU, I'm going to lean Oklahoma in a very, very close matchup. I think it's back and forth. I think it's high scoring. But for me, I have Oklahoma pulling out the 38-34 win over the Baylor Bears with a late touchdown. I just personally think that Baylor's going to keep it close. But for me, Caleb Williams in this offense always seems to make a late play to win the game. I think they do that this weekend just because this team's been on a different level since they made that quarterback change. So I got the Sooners 38, Bears 34, and a four-point win for the Sooners in a huge Big 12 matchup. But guys, if you're new, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button for everybody, and comment your score predictions below to enter our Game of the Week giveaway. You get the score right and the winner right. You win our $50 Venmo giveaway, man. I appreciate y'all tuning in to the Blue Bloods. We'll have another preview this afternoon. And as y'all know, man, we'll have our mailbag tonight, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. So tune in for that for some big announcements at the end of that show. And the rest of the week, you can find all our college ball previews live right here on the Blue Bloods, man. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Hope y'all are having a great Tuesday. But for right now, man, the Blue Bloods are out. Mm-hmm.